NFL free agency frenzy officially begins March 18th at 4 p.m. Who will the Jets be going after when it starts? We break down their needs and who they realistically might sign. We also chat with a guy who used to make the big decisions for the Jets, former general manager Mike Tannenbaum. All that and more next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your pods. Mike Tannenbaum will join us later in the show, but let's talk free agency. All right, let's talk some free agency. I'm here with uh, my producer, Jake Brown. We're going to break down everything you need to know about the Jets and free agency when it starts next week. You know, the Jets have so many holes, Jake. <laughs> I don't know where you want to start, but I've, I've called this the Noah's Ark free agency because they need two of everything. They, they are really just, when you look at their roster, uh, you can go all over the, the roster to look at what they need. They have so many holes. Joe Douglas, we're finally going to get to see him in action. You know, he was hired last June, but not much you can do about the team in June. So now we're going to see him and what his philosophy is. Uh, I think that's exciting, too, because, you know, he's gotten so much hype and we haven't really seen him in action. We saw the Ryan Khalil signing, which at the time you liked. But other than that, you didn't see his draft. You didn't see his total free agency. You get the entire package from the bald maven. I mean, another fellow bald man. And uh, we get to see if all the hype is real. Yeah. And look, I, I was at the Combine two weeks ago in Indianapolis and talked to a lot of people about Joe. You know, people rave about Joe Douglas. Like, usually when somebody gets hired, you can find some people who like him and some people who don't like him. You know, that's been the case with coaches and GMs that I've dealt with. But uh, Joe Douglas, across the board, people like him and respect him. I do think, you know, his overall philosophy might not be as aggressive as Jets fans might be hoping I, I the vibe I get you know he, he grew up in the Ravens he spent 15 years in the Ravens with Ozzie Newsome who the Ravens don't sign big free agents mm-hmm. they they what they do is they wait in the weeds let other people spend dumb money and then try to find bargains in that second tier of free agency I have a feeling that's what Joe is going to do uh, although he might spend big on somebody because the Jets just have so many needs and the spend big on someone is where we should start here and that's yeah. Robbie Anderson I don't think they should bring back Robbie Anderson I think he's going to command 14 to 16 million I know he's tweeting about how he loves that New Jersey that you don't have to pump gas. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're a Jersey guy. Yes. You, you like that people pump your gas or would you rather pump it yourself? Well, Jake, you're talking to somebody who was a petroleum distribution engineer when he was in high school. <laughs> I was somebody who pumped gas for people. So uh, I some, there's some days on the jet speed that I dream of pumping gas again. <laughs> But so I, I love pumping. I love being not having to pump my gas. I love it. Jamal Adams actually weighed in last night on the other side and said he doesn't understand why people don't pump their gas. Uh, I like pumping my own. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to hand a guy my uh, card and then he asks for my zip code. You want my social security too, bro? <laughs> you want my Twitter handle? So I, I kind of like it. But in the cold, it is helpful when you could keep yeah. the warmth on, stay in your car, and avoid that. The rain, a rainy day, you know that kind of thing. So. Uh, with Robbie, Robbie Anderson is going to be a fascinating decision to me for the Jets because they want him back. They like him, but they do not want to pay $15 million a year for Robbie Anderson. And is there some team out there that's going to pay that to him? And it might because if you look at their wide receiver market, there's Amari Cooper. Everyone thinks Dallas is going to end up bringing him back somehow, whether it's a tag or signing him. A.J. Green, Cincinnati's going to franchise tag him. They expect to. You know, none of this is happening because of the CBA. Then it's Robbie Anderson. So he might go into Wednesday or, or Mondays that the, when the, the negotiating period begins. He might go into Monday afternoon being the number one wide receiver on the market. Does someone pay him big? He got blessed to be in this market, man. Yeah. I mean, any other year he's not 
going to get the money he's going to get this time. And I worry about him. Listen, you've been close to him. The closest I've been to him is I pissed next to him at a charity event <laughs> once. Other than that, you're with him in the <laughs> locker room. And, you know, you know, I mean, if he gets paid, he could be that guy who cashes out and then maybe you know, it takes a toll. He's not the same player. Uh, what do you think about that side of it yeah. if he does get the big money and then you know everything falls down? Well, it sounds like you might be closer to him than I am. Uh, but uh, <laughs> look, I wouldn't worry about Robbie cashing out on the field. Like I don't, I don't see that happening. He's a hungry player. I, I don't think he's going to do that. Where I would worry about Robbie with money in his pocket is off the field because he's had some incidents off yes. the field in Florida. Give him credit. He hasn't had anything in the last two years, I think it's been now. So he's cleaned himself up off the field. But if he gets a lot of money in his pocket, you know, there's a lot more trouble you can get into when you have that much money. So I think that will cross the Jets' minds. Speed like Robbie's is hard to find, and someone I just have a feeling someone's going to ante up and pay him. Does Demarius Thomas come back? Is he finished? He actually showed some signs that yeah. he wasn't finished when, he, when the Jets picked him up. Is he like a third or fourth receiver that you maybe bring back on the low? Yeah, that's a good question. Adam Gase loves Demarius Thomas. They were together in Denver, you know, when Demarius was – one of the best receivers in football. I think Adam Gase felt that Demarius helped him in the locker room. Not, not even just offensive or defensive players. He kind of was there to assuage any concerns anyone had about Adam Gase. And, and you know, Demarius liked him. So I think Gase would probably like to have him back. Uh, to me, Demarius is a decision you don't have to make immediately. I think you see how things shake out a little bit and then maybe bring him back. He, he could even be around after the draft, Jake. Like, they, they could bring him back then if they wanted to. And I'm looking, Kaz, at this wide receiver list, and you're right. It is slim pickings. I mean, when we're talking about Nelson Aguilar being one of the top receivers <laughs> available, Randall yeah. Cobb, Amari Cooper's probably going back. I mean, Paul Richardson. Sanders obviously is a good one. Philip Dorsett, Matthew Slater, Josh Gordon, if he if he ever plays again. Jermaine Curse. This list is pretty, pretty bad. They might have to just by process of elimination bring back Robbie Anderson. The other element though is this draft is great. For, for wide receivers. All these draft gurus you talk to say there's, there's 25 yeah. really good ones. Like in the top three rounds. They're saying they, they're, they have top three round grades. So, you know, the Jets have three picks on the second day of the draft. One in the second round, two in the third round. Could they get a receiver in those rounds that could replace Robbie Anderson? These are the questions that Joe Douglas needs to answer, you know, going forward here next week when free agency hits. And Quincy Anunwin, his injury problems, has really yeah. been troubling. And you just hope he's okay, obviously, for the guy off the field in his life. But, you know, is he someone you maybe rely on coming back and being healthy? I don't know if he's going to be on the team. I, I still don't know that. I don't know if he's going to be able to play. They said some good things about him at the Combine. Joe Douglas said, you know, they thought he, he could play again. There was a point where I thought they would try to cut Quincy, but they can't cut him if he's not healthy because his money's guaranteed for injury right now. So he has $6 million coming to him. On March 22nd. Well, that then it becomes – Fully guaranteed on March 22nd. Mm -hmm. If they cut him now, if he was fully healthy, they could cut him now and walk away. But he's not healthy, so they would have to pay him $6 million. So, But March 22nd, it becomes fully guaranteed. So, uh, you know, I think you know not just the, the injuries, though. Remember, he had the thing uh, in October, November, where he tweeted about getting fined. Yes, and he tweeted yes. a picture of the screen. that said, like, So he had some issues with Adam Gase. He said at the end of the year they hadn't spoken in two months. So um, he might want to be out. Yeah. Well, I don't— He's going to want his money, and no one's yeah. going to pay. Nobody's going to pay Quincy Noon with six million dollars after a neck injury. So, 
Quincy's going to want to stay with the Jets. It's a question of do the Jets still want Quincy and can, you know, I, I think he and Gase can patch that up. Uh, you know, there were some hurt feelings there, but I don't know if you can rely on Quincy and Nooner right now. Yeah, and it seems like the draft, is. you're right, is going to be the way to go. There's a lot of guys there. But sticking on the offense, cause the number one issue that they have to address is that offensive line. Yeah. And, you know, there's some good free agents out there on the O-line. Someone like a Conklin, if they want to throw the money at him to get him, there are some good names on that offensive line available. Where do you go uh, free agency-wise on the O-line? Yeah, they, Jake, they could have four new starters on the offensive line when you look at it. Uh, Jonathan Harrison is the only guy you know that's currently you know he was he started at center that I would expect to definitely be back. Brian Winters is a question. They could cut him. He's owed seven million dollars. I thought he'd be a cap casualty. Joe Douglas spoke glowingly of him at the combine, so maybe he's back. Chuma Doga played a little bit last year as a rookie, but I didn't think he played that well. I don't know if they can count on him. So this is going to be a position that's not just free agency; it's also the draft. You know, when we talk about that number eleven pick. We talk about those tackles a lot because I think they they're probably going to go there, but they need two tackles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they could sign. You know, Conklin might be a little too rich for their blood. He was linked to them a few weeks ago. There was a report, then that report was shot down. My feeling is the Jets are kind of dipping their toe in the waters with every top free agent right now at these positions how far they're willing to go is going to be the question Conklin might be too much you know Balaga maybe Jason Peters is 38 years old but he's a guy Joe Douglas knows would they would they sign him for a year you know just try to get a year out of him to to be a placeholder until they can find a long-term solution at that position uh a Fetty is a guy from Seattle Jermaine Fetty could they sign him yeah yeah, Costanzo I think will end up probably back with the Colts but if he some if he did hit the market would they look at him Uh, Rex Hogan is a guy the assistant GM for the Jets that was with the Colts the last two years so he knows Costanzo so there's a connection there you know they're, they're going to have to be aggressive at, on offensive line at tackle at guard at center through free agency and the draft uh, I think you're going to see them adding a lot a lot of pieces there at center do you bring Khalil back I think he was very disappointing and he had the injury to end the season you have Jonathan Harrison what do you do at center because that's an important position that Nick Mangold man for so yeah. many years and since then they haven't really been able to fill the void well, that's a position one that's one position the Jets have been very good at for a long time before Mangle was Kevin Mawai who just went in the Hall of Hall Fame of you know they've had some good, very good players at that position through the years no I don't think Ryan Cleo will be back I don't think there's a chance of that you know they they took a flyer on him you know I, I thought it made sense logically it didn't work he wasn't the player that he was it also was not a good from a chemistry standpoint I thought a lot of the offensive linemen just didn't mesh early in the season um, they really, those guys love Jonathan Harrison. And I thought Harrison played pretty well again in the second half of the season, like he did the year before. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if they went with Jonathan Harrison again at center. Maybe they draft one. I, I don't see them doing anything in free agency at center, but they, the second round again, a guy to watch is Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. Uh, he's a, you know, he was Great a name. Yeah. <laughs> He was the he was a big leader for that LSU team that won the national championship. I could see him going there. Another guy is um, Matt Hennessy at Temple, whose brother is on the Jets as the long snapper. But you know, in free agency, I think that they'll probably stand pat at center right now. All right, so that's the O line. Running back, you know, there was the whole drama around Le'Veon Bell. Will yep. they trade him in the off season? Where do you stand? I think, you, in my opinion, you got to keep Le'Veon Bell and give him another shot behind a good O line. But what do you do with Love Bell? They don't have a choice, Jake. He's a $13 million. That decision was made for them by Mike McCagney last March. Uh, even if they wanted to move on, who's going to trade for Le'Veon Bell for that money? And okay, some people say, oh, the Jets could eat money. That's not good business. you know. So I think, like what you just said, they've got to build up that offensive line and then hope that they can click a little better with Le'Veon Bell. I, To me, something to watch is this spring. 
Le'Veon didn't show up last year for the voluntary portion of OTAs. And, you know, some people were like, oh, is that a big deal? Is it not? I don't think he ever really meshed with this offensive line. So to me, you know, I think Bell would, would be showing something if he showed up this year and, and tried to work with that offensive line. Although we don't know if anyone's shown up with coronavirus, <laughs> coronavirus going around. We don't know if there's going to be a season. We don't know what's happening. Uh, yeah. We don't know if there'll be free agency. I mean, we're talking about it right now. Just yeah. to let everyone know, we're recording on Thursday. It's a little before noon, so in case things happen in the next five minutes, which is how the sports world is going right now with this, is every two minutes yes. something new happens. I mean, yesterday was the craziest day in sports history. I mean, it was. you look at the timeline of things getting canceled, and sports was canceled, essentially. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Have yeah. you ever seen anything like this covering sports for so long? I, the only closest thing is 9-11. You know, yeah. 9-11 wiped out sports for, for a few weeks, and like we all look back at that Mets game, Piano a home run as kind of the moment when sports returned and we kind of people sort of exhaled that night and it feels like that a little bit it's not quite as sudden you know it's been kind of building and yesterday was crazy you know who knows if this free agency period is going to happen we don't know if the draft is going to happen the way it's supposed to in vegas i can't see it happening that way there was so much allure cause around vegas and guys coming in on a boat to the stage and yeah. you know stepping from the blackjack table to the draft and now we don't know who's going to be there we don't know if the players are going to be there they're probably at this point might not be a crowd we don't know yet uh, yeah. So that's very much in flux. I have a feeling the draft's going to be in a TV studio somewhere, Jake. You know, yeah. whether it's an NFL Network studio or ESPN studio, so you know, somewhere they're going to they're just going to have TV cameras, and and that's it's not going to be a big crowd. And for the love of God, can they stop ten minutes between picks? Make it like two minutes. <laughs> Let's get it over quickly, at least if you're going to go that route. Yeah, because you know, being there, the draft goes all night. You're writing pay- stories at three, four a.m. Yeah, well, I, I actually I'm at the Jets facility for the draft. Usually, I don't usually go, but you sit there and you, I sit there and watch it on TV, and then you know talk to the guys afterwards but it's it's a tv show so they can cancel out some of the tv show aspect of it and the other side as we get back to it uh, the defensive side that they might address in free agency cause what do you think about the defensive line here i mean quinn williams has been up and down we didn't see a monster year from him but you hope that the, you know the sophomore he takes a second step here and becomes something in year two because they need a pass rush they didn't really have a great pass rush they need it yeah and you know they missed the linebackers i mean avery williamson being out killed them and then cj mosley you know hurt himself hurting that groin in week one killed him you lost two linebackers like essentially before the season started you only got to see a couple quarters from mosley when you look at linebacker jake they were playing their fifth and six linebackers yeah. at one point you know James Burgess was a guy who was on the practice squad and ended up playing pretty well I thought uh in terms of the pass rush I don't think it's about the interior linemen as much they need an edge rusher in the worst way and we could be recording this podcast in 2007 and then I'd be saying the same thing <laughs> because since they traded John Abraham before the 2006 draft they have not had that edge rusher they signed Calvin Pace he was okay but he was never a 10 you know 15 sack guy they drafted some guys Vernon Golston Quentin Copels that were not not good <laughs> various levels of not good so to me you know they need to find an edge rusher and that There's is not a lot ch- out there but it's not history. cheap it's yeah. not cheap Clowney obviously is the number one name I, I, I'd be shocked if the Jets paid clown yeah I can't see the Jets paying Clowney and a lot the other thing is some of these guys are going to be tagged before they hit I mean you know good good pass rushers usually don't hit the market in the words of the great uh, Raiders coach John Gruden good pass rushers they're hard to find that was his, <laughs> his favorite line I don't remember that with the Mac situation yeah yeah and then he traded him away uh uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, they have to look at that market. A guy like Jason Pierre-Paul intrigues me. Like that, like Bring he's not – Yeah, he, he was pretty good for the Bucks last year, and he's not going to break the bank. I think that's what you have to look at is a guy like that. I will break his finger before the bank. You know? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they're going to go, like you said, clowny. I think that's going to be way too expensive for them. 
Um, but they desperately need that edge rush. Does Bud Dupree hit the market? You know, that's a guy who intrigues me. And Gakwe is an interesting guy. You know, there's a lot going on down there with Jacksonville right now. It's going to be interesting. Dante Fowler is another mm. name out there. They have to find a way to get that edge rush uh, going because that that just will change Greg Williams' defense. And Vic Beasley is another name that's that's out there. What yeah. do you think about him? He's an interesting guy because he's a guy I've pointed to a lot of times. Uh, in 2015, the Jets took Leonard Williams, and Beasley won a couple picks after him and I I've argued they should have taken Beasley because he was a, an edge rusher you know he had one monster season I think it might have been 16 and then he's faded a little bit and you know obviously the Falcons are letting him go but if you know it's all about price with him can you get him at a decent price you might get something out of him you, you never know so are you pretty happy if healthy with the linebacking core if Williamson's back if Mosley's back do you think they're pretty much set there maybe you draft another do you bring Hewitt back, who showed yeah. some strong signs last year? What, where do you go in that direction? Uh, I mean, a healthy C.J. Mosley is going to be a huge improvement over what they've had. Uh, Avery Williamson is interesting because he tore the ACL. I also could see them cutting Avery to save some money. You know, He's a guy that I put on my list as a possible cap cut. I do. I would bring Neville Hewitt back. I thought Hewitt played really well, not just last year. Two years ago, if you remember, Darren Lee got suspended for the last four games of the season, and Hewitt played, and I thought he played very well then. And then last year, he stepped in first for Avery Williamson, and then for C.J. Mosley, mm-hmm. and I, I thought he played well. I, I would try to bring Hewitt back, and then I think you're pretty good at, at the linebacking position. All right, in the secondary now, you know, you're, you're set at safety pretty much, Jamal yeah. Adams. That's the, one, that's the one position where you're like, oh, they don't need anything. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Jamal Adams is the big storyline. Right. Where's the, what's the money looking like? What's he going to get? I don't think you're going to see anything very soon with Jamal. Uh, to me, we could be talking about this in August, <laughs> I think. The Raul uh, Rivas situation coming? It's going to be tough for Jamal to hold out, uh, you know, on the on the rookie deal. But And also this new CBA has a lot of preventative me- measures to keep guys from holding out. The, C- the CBA really punishes them if they hold out. So I'm not sure if it'll hold out, but I just think we could be talking about this and it could be one that they get done right before the season. I do think something gets done. I think they want to pay Jamal. I think they realize what he means to this team. And so I think it happens, but it just might not happen quickly. We're not overpaid, so we haven't mentioned Tremaine Johnson yet. Uh, he was yeah. cut. And cornerback is a monster issue that the Jets and Giants both need to address. They lack a lot of experience at corner. And when you're talking about Daryl Roberts and Brian Poole, I mean, it is slim pickings at corner. Where in free agency do you go? Where in the draft do you go to try and address that? Yeah, I do think they need to bring Poole back. I thought he played well uh, as a slot corner. Uh, yeah, right now, I mean, who's their cornerbacks? Bless Austin, Arthur Mollett, Howard uh, Roberts. Yeah, Roberts. Like, it's grim. So I know, you know, uh, from talking to people, they, they've talked to the agents of the top guys, Byron Jones, James Bradbury. They've talked to them. Do they go down that road? Is another one. I, I just don't know. I mean, you're a big football fan, Jake. Do you know who James Bradbury is? Not really, no. Right. I, I've heard the name because, uh, you know, my parents do live outside Charlotte, so okay. I've had my fixins of Bojangles down there. But, but, you know, I don't know much about him. But this is how free agency works, right? Mm-hmm. Two years ago, Jermaine Johnson is the best cornerback available. All right, like like people weren't killing the Jets when they signed Tremaine Johnson, oh. right? They thought that was a good move. It was a disaster. Mm-hmm. So this is like good cornerbacks don't hit free agency. So you got to be careful uh, spending a lot of money in free agency on, on corners. You know the Jets have done this plenty of times. To me, I look down the list. Trey Waynes. A guy that was a first-round pick. You could probably get him a little cheaper, a little shorter term. See, see if you can get something out of him. That's the kind of thing I would do. Keep to leave, veteran, but you know, I don't know. Is he finished? Left. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there's Prince anything. Prince Amukamara, Ronald Darby, Jimmy Smith is a guy. Like anyone who has ties to Baltimore, watch because not only is there Joe Douglas, 
But Chad Alexander is their director of player personnel. He just came from Baltimore. Douglas is kind of five years removed, but that ties to Philadelphia. Joe just came from Philadelphia, so does a Ronald Darby. Like, do they do they go down that road? You know, those kinds of guys, you, you got to watch for the ties to to people they know in the past. So they got to do something at corner. I I just don't know, uh, you know, how much money they throw at that position. Eli Apple also a name out there. Do you bring him back to the Big Apple, or do you not want to deal with his mom getting quoted every five <laughs> minutes? Because you'll be the one writing the stories about the mom's yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, I have to ask Kirsten Fleming about that. She's got so from the post. <laughs> she's got great, yeah. Kirsten's got a great, great, uh, great, great relationship with uh, Annie Apple. So maybe I'll check with her. Um, listen, I think Jets fans are tired. We'll wrap it up on this cause. Special teams, get a damn kicker. I mean, you know, yeah. you let Myers go, and you didn't, you know, you didn't expect him to be great. He struggled a bit in Seattle, so that made you feel a little bit better. But it was awful from Vedvik to Ficken and everyone in between. Their kicker <laughs> situation was a train wreck. Yeah, yeah, it was. And look around the NFL; it's hard to find a kicker these days. I don't know what's going on at that position, but it's not easy to find one. So they got to do that, and they might need a new punter too. I don't think they're going to bring Lock Edwards back. So they might be looking there. Uh, two positions we didn't hit, Jake, on offense that I think we should talk about. Guard, Joe Tooney's a guy from New England to keep yeah. an eye on. Graham Glasgow from Detroit is another one. You know, we talked offensive line. We talked center tackle. But guard is also huge because they, they need help there. Do they bring Alex Lewis back? Maybe. I'm not sure. He played pretty well for them, I thought. So guard is one. And then one that's really under the radar is backup quarterback. Yes, I forgot to mention that. That has been a huge problem for them. They were inept at backup quarterback. Sam Darnold's missed six games in the last two years. They're 0-6 in those games. All right. They, that, so, like last year, they went to their, they were the third quarterback with Luke Falk for two of them. But they need a veteran backup quarterback who can come in and play, like, you know, like a Case Keenum. Like, I, I, you know, you don't love Case Keenum if he's your quarterback for 16 games. But if he's the quarterback for four or five, you can live with that. Like, even I, I, Colt McCoy is out there. Colt McCoy, like that. yeah, yeah. Somebody that's been around a little while. We don't need the, the mentor thing anymore. I, like, I, I don't think they need that first for Sam, but just somebody who has experience. Don't and, bring and, back Geno Smith, Kyle. Whatever you do. We don't <laughs> need any more punches to the face <laughs> yeah, i don't think gino's coming back aj mccarron is an interesting name exactly. you know so uh that to me though is going to be big who's the backup quarterback and, and and then you know the offensive line like we talked about and i think guard is another important element of that and address the damn kicker i'm going to keep saying it greg zerline is a free agent Hand him, you know, five million and get yourself a lockdown kicker, please. I'll tell you this. I was at the senior bowl in January in Mobile and the Jets had their whole scouting staff there, right? Joe Douglas's whole staff. But they didn't have any coaches there except their special teams coordinator and their assistant special teams coach. So that was the only guys that went to the senior bowl. So they're scouring the earth right now for kickers and punters. They, they, they're looking. The funny thing is I was watching the senior bowl practice and these kickers were missing like crazy. And I, I told the special teams coordinator, like you didn't have to, I could have told you these guys can't kick. I can't scout guards. I can scout kickers. They, yeah. they either make it or they don't. Well, pay Greg Zerline and call a day. You know, Adam <laughs> Vinatieri will be getting his AARP card in a few years. So I don't know if you go after him, but I would no. pay Greg Zerline. Nick Folk available if you want to bring back him, but I'd, avoid that route but you know a guy who made a lot of these decisions going to join you next Mike Tannebaum and the, you, you miss those days man I mean those, <laughs> those are back-to-back AFC championship game teams yeah. and AFC championship is something Jets fans are just dreaming of at this point yeah it's funny the people from that era that like 2006 to 2012 was when Mike was the GM I've run into some of them and I've apologized because I was so hard on them then and since then they haven't made the playoffs man, and it's like, like I saw I saw Brian Schottenheimer at the combine yeah. right shoddy I, I killed Shotty, right? 
I they, killed him as a fan watching from TV. Yeah. They've had about 12 offensive coordinators since Shoddy. They've all been worse. One's worse than the other usually. Yeah. So I, I told Shoddy, I go, I, I might have been a little hard on you in 2011. You know, I'm sorry about that. Let's hear what Mike Tannenbaum has to say about the Jets. I'd like to welcome in now Mike Tannenbaum, the former Jets general manager, to talk about some free agency, current free agency, some past free agency stories from him. Mike was the GM of the Jets from 2006 to 2012, led the team to -to back-to-back AFC championship games, also was the Dolphins executive vice president of football operations from 2015 and 2018. You can see Mike now on ESPN on all their platforms. I'm sure he's going to be on quite a bit in the next few weeks as they dissect free agency. Mike, I really appreciate you doing this. Just wanted to start off with, you know, you've been in that GM chair and when free agency comes, what was your your kind of overall philosophy when it came to free agency and especially that first wave of free agency with the big money? Yeah, I think you really want to be prepared, Brian. Um, you know, it used to drive my staff crazy, but I, I used to say this expression all the time, like, hey, guys, like our plan is firmly etched in pencil because so many things are going to happen, you know, positively and negatively in terms of like, what we think is going to happen and price points. And also from a standpoint, you know, if you and I were having this conversation within, you know, the next, whatever it is at this point, six days when free agency actually begins, we'll, we'll be floored by some players that, you know, get released for whatever reason. And, you know, we saw a good football player in Christian Kirksey by Cleveland just got let go. He's, you know, been in a little injury prone, but good, good player. So, you know, that's just one example of there'll be countless others. So I think you got to be uh, as prepared as possible, but know like there's so much uncertainty out there. At what point did you start working on free agency? You know, what was the earliest point where you, you, you and your staff started coming up with a list of potential free agents and started kind of formulating your plan? Yeah, I think like probably mid-season, you know, and I think that's a lot of times like fans don't realize it. it's a year-round approach and the off-season is a big continuum, Brian, just from a standpoint of, uh, you know, like let's face it, this year, it's a historic year at wide receiver in the draft. I think that's going to hurt some people, some of the veterans, uh, wide receivers in the free agent market. Now, I think the top of the market will still be strong and robust, but if you need a wide receiver this year and you think it's a little expensive in the free agent market, you know, you certainly could get a, a, a good receiver in the draft. And the, you know, the inverse of that is, you know, you look at a position like, let's say, like tight end. You know, tight end is not great in the draft, so the, the veterans that are out there will probably benefit from that. Mike, I feel like we go through kind of a cycle with free agency, and um, this week the Jets uh, informed Tremaine Johnson he's going to be cut. And two years ago, he was the big free agent signing for the Jets. And I, I feel like fans and media, we kind of get caught up at the big names every year in free agency, and it doesn't doesn't usually work. Uh, from a team building perspective, those really big signings. How how do you see that? How do you see that first wave of free agency in terms of some of these guys? You know, they become free agents for a reason, and maybe they're not. They're, they're getting overpaid, and they kind of you know they're going to be released in two years. Yeah, and I think like and I've been on both sides of you know good signings and certainly some signings I like to have back. I think the more boxes you could check, Ryan, where. It fits from a salary camp standpoint and a cash budget standpoint and a scheme standpoint and a coordinator standpoint where you try to take out as much uncertainty as you can. Candidly, like that's really the approach as it relates to uh, the draft as well. Like the more you can project what the player is going to do. And, you know, in Tremaine Johnson's case, you know, there could have been, you know, a litany of reasons why, you know, it didn't work out. But, um, you know, unfortunately, you do see that from time to time. And even though that's happened, Brian, I, I still think, you know, come next week, we're going to see some monster deals. Uh, early on in free agency. Yeah, absolutely. Jets specifically, Mike, when you look at this, they, they have a lot of holes on their roster right now. And at some 
premium positions like left tackle and edge rusher and cornerback. If you're Joe Douglas coming in here the first your first year, you know, your first offseason, what what's your approach to to a roster with as many holes as the Jets have? Yeah, I think you attack it every day. You know, you look and you can add players like they added they try to add Khalil, you know, last summer. I really, you know, philosophically that made sense. Like we're always looking to add players. And, you know, if you say like, hey, we got to add offensive linemen, like for example, Atlanta last year, you know, they signed a couple of veteran free agents and James Carpenter, uh, Jamon Brown, and then they draft two offensive linemen in the first round. So um, that's just an example of one team like attacking Adid, both pro and college. And I think I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jets do that as well. He's in a situation, I mean, you mentioned offensive line. That's obviously, the, that's a huge need for them where they, they could have three to four new guys on that line. You were kind of there in your first year as Jets GM you know take me back to that time and kind of how you viewed that rebuild of an offensive line and how long you thought it would take you to, to kind of re- reshape that offensive line yeah well in 2005 uh I was the assistant GM we lost two quarterbacks within seven snaps of one another and Jay Feeler and Chad Payton and when I became GM you know I was absolutely convicted non-negotiable to me like if we didn't fix the offensive line nothing mattered and we were fortunate enough to be able to get two really really good ones in our, in our first draft with uh DeBrickshaw Ferguson from Virginia and Nick Mangle from Ohio State and you know the thinking there was like look if we can't handle these guys up front within the division nothing else we do matters and then you added was Fanica and Woody were both in 08 right when you added those two yeah yeah and it, and, and look it doesn't happen overnight adding those two guys were were, were good players and, and really critical candidly to our locker room I hope Damian Woody doesn't hear that now because I don't want that to go to a head but uh nonetheless he was uh those guys really helped us what did you learn from um coach parcells not only just through the curtis negotiations but early on in your career with the jets when it came to free agency what was his philosophy very similar role vision how did they get to the game meaning you know brian there's 53 guys on the on the active roster 46 go to the game those things are, are critically important again vision culture fit durability all those things are really important when it comes to free agency next week mike you know not just jets league wide what 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 are you most curious to see is it brady is it the other quarterbacks what are you what are you curious about what are you looking forward to discussing on espn next week yep you know, Brian, just uh, the overzealousness of uh, the New York tablets. No. <laughs> I would say, um, really, like we, we, it's going to be historic when, when, if when we start next week until I would say the middle of the second round of the NFL draft this year, you know, we're going to see like history with quarterbacks: Drew Brees resigning, Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, Taysom Hill, on and on and on. What happens with Tua? Tua's hip. Who's the third quarterback in the draft? Do five quarterbacks into the first round? Does Washington? Washington double down on Dwayne Haskins and taking a quarterback. Where's Cam Newton starting next year? You know, does Chicago have competition for – I mean, almost every team, it's going to be incredible. Does Tennessee pursue Tom Brady? And if they do, what's the conversation like with Ryan Tannehill, who he just took to the championship game? So it's going to be incredible. Um, I'm so excited to be a you know, have a small part in it and uh, couldn't wait, you know, for next week. Let me ask you a Tannehill question because you just brought him up. And the, he was kind of a topic with Jets fans this year because of Adam Gase. And you were in Miami with both of them. When you saw what he did this year, what did you attribute that kind of jump in his game to this year? And was it similar to the first year um, that Adam was in Miami in 2016? Was it similar to that year to you? Because uh, some, some Jets fans looked at it and said, oh, you know, look at this. This quarterback is thriving 
away from Adam Gase. I didn't particularly agree with that, but I'm just curious what your perspective was when you saw what Ryan did this year in Tennessee. Yeah, you know, Brian, like, sometimes we overcomplicate things. Like, look at Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is won 40 games. He's 26 years old. You know, Russell Wilson's won as many games. Like, Dak Prescott's a winner. Like, Ryan Tannehill, when he's been healthy, he's a starting NFL winning quarterback. In 2016, when he was healthy and Adam Gase was our head coach in Miami, we went to the playoffs and we had a really good team. Brian Tannehill was healthy this year and look, they had a lot of really a lot of great players. AJ Brown's emerging, the rookie receiver from Ole Miss, obviously what Derrick Henry did, a very good front seven. So I'm not saying it was all Tannehill, but Brian Tannehill's a good winning starting NFL quarterback. And Adam Gates was a big part of that success in sixteen. I know every year is different, but that actually happened. Like that isn't like any like a projection, you know? Right, right. No, exactly. It's funny because the Dolphins are they're kind of scattered across the league now, and it's like it seems like Jets fans want a referendum on Adam Gase on every player, and I'm like, it's not quite that that simple. Um, there's, there's a little bit more to it than that, but but you know Jets fans well, Mike. You know how how passionate they are, and they're they're uh, they're always trying to figure everything out. One last one I'll, I, before I let you go. Uh, Robbie Anderson is a guy that's intriguing with the Jets. You mentioned before the wide receiver class this year in the draft is so strong. What kind of market do you think there's going to be for Robbie Anderson? And do you think that that draft class will hurt that market a little bit? I think Robbie Anderson's a great story. You know, he's really developed his background, his story. He, he, he's a guy that you have to account for all the time, Brian. I think he'll wind up doing well. He, and if he does do well, like he'll be one of the very, very few receivers. Because again, this is a historically great wide receiver class. So, but you know, I think because he's established, he'll he'll he will do well but if we're sitting here in two weeks i wouldn't be surprised if we say two things that you look the few tight ends like an austin hooper's overpaid and there's two or three really good wide receivers that are looking for all right mike well i really appreciate you taking the time uh to do this it was great chatting with you 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 joined the long list uh with rex rex has been on sanchez has been on woody's been on we've had a lot of uh a lot of the the jets from the 2008 to 2012 run uh on this podcast so i'm glad we got you on well it's been my pleasure uh, i know how hard you work at this brian and I appreciate you having me on. You play to win the game. That will do it for this episode of Gangs All Here with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making the show happen. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We will be back next week after the free agency period begins, hopefully breaking down some key Jets signings. We will talk to you then. Thank you.